the leading cause of death in America is not murder or car accidents. It's heart disease. And uh, we know that, yet while we avoid certain places at night and wear our seatbelts, we still regularly hit the drive through with a box of Ho-Ho's instead of hitting the gym with a smoothie. Um, mm, Yes, I will have another Royal Red Robin burger. 1,200 calories of yes, I do. Please, another one. Love that burger. I didn't know it was 1,200 calories, though. And my running shoes work just fine on the couch. Isn't that true? Isn't that what we do? And it's amazing how we can know what's good for us and yet still refuse to change our habits. And I think that's partly because harmful effects take a while to kick in. They're gradual. It never seems pressing at the moment, so we delay to make changes until something severe gets our attention like a heart attack. And then... We know we need to make some changes. These things take time to play out, and so we ignore long-term reality in exchange for short-term pleasure. I do this all the time. I have a problem drinking enough water, and uh, even though I, I know that water is healthy to drink and that water sustains life, uh, why don't I make a change? Drinking water is easy, and I want to be health, uh, healthy, yet it's problem for me just to drink enough water. Our spiritual health is similar. The effects of spiritual bad health can seem less than urgent. We coast along making unhealthy spiritual decisions every day and making excuses, trading in long-term spiritual growth and health for short-term sinful pleasure and apathy. We delay making changes because we underestimate the effect that spiritual frailty has on us now. We may not be able to see how directly our spiritual infirmity impacts our day-to-day lives. I want you to know what good spiritual health is and that God can help you get it. Last week, we saw that healthy Christians are converted. They live with a keen sense of their need for Jesus Christ. They are boiling with passion for God. They understand and apply the truth as they fight sin with incessant repentance and belief. Engage in regular personal, corporate, and family worship, and they pray without ceasing. Seven signs of good spiritual health. And so let's just jump right in with number eight as we continue from last week. Love. Healthy Christians love. Love is the greatest of virtues. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 5, 5, Paul said, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We love because God first loved us and he poured his love into us. God lives inside of healthy Christians and therefore by default, love dwells and lives within the healthy Christian. God's love in someone's heart, in someone's life is the litmus test to true conversion. The Bible says that love for other Christians is confirmation that you have to be born or that you have been born again. In 1 John 4, 7, John wrote this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Do you know what that is? That's conversion. 
1 John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life, that's conversion, from spiritual death to spiritual life, because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23 weighs in. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again. We love each other with intensity. We love each other with perseverance explicitly because we have been born again. Love is fruit. True love begins when you come to Christ. You cannot be a truly loving person in the fullest sense without Jesus Christ as the Lord and treasure of your life. Jesus said love is how people will know that you're a follower of his. God commands love. Loving God and others are the two greatest commandments. The law and the prophets depend upon these two simple things. And Jesus said there is no other commandment greater than these And Jesus set the the bar very high for love. He said in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And then he added this, and this is unbelievable. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So healthy Christians need to love their brothers and sisters in Christ just like Jesus loved us. Are you remembering what Jesus Christ accomplished for us? How he laid his life on the line, sacrificing for people that were rebelling against God and far from God. This is radical love. Never forget what Jesus has done for us, that that fuels our love for other people. Paul said that we should dress ourselves in love. So more than the latest fashion that's hanging in your closet, healthy Christians are concerned about wearing the fashion of love. Are you wearing love? It's easy to think, it's easy to say that we love people. It can even be, in a sense, easy to feel love for people. But thinking and saying and feeling is not doing. Love is doing. People receive the love that you give. And so my question is, what are you giving? John 3.18 says, Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. We must do love. I want to give you four simple things. Just jot these four uh, words down. They all begin with a C, so it should be easy. That can make you a more loving person. Number one, convert. Convert to Christ. Repent of your sins and trust in Christ. Be baptized and become a supernaturally loving person. You'll never be a loving person until God's love and God's Holy Spirit is poured into your heart. Number two, commit. Commit. Make the people of Jerusalem Church a priority in your life. Become a member of Jerusalem Church and really commit yourself. Join us and help us accomplish God's mission. Commit to worship on Sundays Prove that you love God and prove that you love us by being regular in your attendance. Be with us when we worship God together. We feel your absence when you're not with us. We love you and we want you with us. Number three, contribute. Contribute. Love by using your gifts and your skills to serve other people. If you disappeared for four months, how would that impact ministry here at Jerusalem Church. 
If nothing would change with the church other than you not being here, then you are not contributing enough and God is calling you to contribute more. The Bible reveals that attendance is not enough. Everyone needs to contribute. This is the body of Christ. We all have different skills and gifts. Now, if Mar- I'm going to pick on you, Marsha. It's coming at you. If Marsha Eisenhuth disappeared for four months, I would be in deep trouble. I would be in deep trouble. Her ministry is important to me personally. And it's important to this church. Here's the point. You are genuinely loving when you serve others. You are unloving when church is about getting what you want instead of joyfully loving and serving Christ and other people. Are you a consumer or a contributor? Number four, care. Care about Jesus. Care about the people of this church. Care less about yourself. Love people by giving the gift of you. Give yourself away to the people of this church. Give yourself away to the people of this community. Devote yourself to people. Convert, commit, contribute, care. Do these four simple things, and I promise you, you'll be more loving. Healthy Christians do these four things. On to number nine, works. Healthy Christians do good works. They bear fruit. They produce something for God. Stanley, you know that company name? Not the guy, not my uncle, but Stanley, uh, has produced quality products since 1843. And one of their tools happens to be the Fat Max. Now, I can extend this out 11 feet. This is an amazing tape measure. I love Stanley products. Uh, No, I don't. I love this Stanley product. You know, if it comes to a hammer, I'm an S-wing guy. But anyway, I love this tool. There is no equal tape measure in my mind. You have to have this one. And if you don't, you're just out of the loop. Kevin doesn't even have one, but I got one. I got one. It's durable. It's reliable. It's smooth. I mean, this is the dream boat right here. And it is manufactured to do quality and enduring work. That's why they make these like this. God makes Christians to do work. That's right. God doesn't save people to sit. He saves people to work. Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God saved us to do great things through us, to do, carry out great works. We are not saved to do insignificant and meaningless things for in life. God uses us. Paul wrote to Titus, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. Healthy Christians are always learning different ways that they can do good works for the glory of God, devoting themselves to this. Hebrews says that we should consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Healthy Christians not only do good works themselves, they inspire others to do good works. Healthy Christians are fanatical about good works because they want to please God. It all comes down to living out, Matthew 5, 16. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your give works and what? Give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We do good works for the fame, for the recognition, for the expansion of God's 
message in the world. We shouldn't talk about good works. We should do good works. Talk is cheap. James says, I will show you my faith by my works. He also said, faith apart from works is dead. So let's get really real for a moment and apply that to our lives. If you are doing nothing for God, you're just not living for Him, chances are the faith that you say you have is dead faith. It's not alive. Jesus would call you a bad tree. Jesus did say, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. Healthy Christians bear good fruit. Number 10, discipleship. Every healthy Christian is a healthy disciple. They follow Jesus closely. Jesus calls the shots in their life. They watch and they imitate Jesus by studying his word diligently and and living to apply what they read by the power of his spirit. Let me ask you this. Who influences most of your choices in life? When you have a decision to make, who's feeding into that decision the most? Is Jesus leading you? Are you a good listener to hear what God is saying through his son? There's another aspect of discipleship. Healthy Christians have other healthy Christians invest in them. Have you ever thought why professional athletes have coaches? They're amazing. They're better than the coaches oftentimes, but they have coaches. Why? Aren't they good enough? Why does Rory, oh, I'm going to mess his name up, McElroy, thank you. I needed help with that one, so that was appropriately timed. Rory McIlroy, the number one PGA golfer right now, pays Michael Bannon thousands of dollars to help him with his swing. Why? He's got a phenomenal swing. He's winning a lot of money. We need people to see in us what we cannot see ourselves or sometimes have a hard time seeing. And We need people to help us apply God's word in our life. We need other people to help us learn and grow. God brought me here to Jerusalem Church to help you grow, to, uh, to help accomplish, just as one man, to help use his gifts to accomplish Ephesians 4.12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. I'm here to disciple you. I'm here to try to teach you and preach you and pastor you into more effectiveness and fruitfulness for gospel ministry. That's my calling I'm here to help build you up. I'm here to help you mature. I'm here to help you grow. And I do that through investing my life in preaching and teaching you God's word and trying to love you primarily in that way but in other ways as a pastor should. Even the counseling I do is to help people take the word of God and the truth of of his word and to apply it to their situation to see healing and fruitfulness come. It's all about his word. It's all about the power of the gospel in people's lives as as I help and others help to grow you and mature you and flourish you so that you can be happy in God. Studying, preaching, and teaching is the primary way I love you as my brothers and sisters in Christ. I spend a lot of hours preparing to do that because I believe God and the scripture wants me to. God has called me to that and he will use that to build you up. 
Others help teach you. We teach God's word here in our classes because we believe that the gospel is the power to those who believe. We don't really have much to say outside of what the scripture says. And so we're just going to teach that and keep Jesus central here. We need people all around us to help us apply God's word. The last aspect of discipleship, healthy Christians invest in others to help them become more healthy. Who are you teaching? Who are you discipling? Who are you taking under your wing, so to speak? Discipleship starts with evangelism, and then it works people through, teaching them to observe and obey all that Jesus has commanded. Teaching may be formal, like this, and teaching might be informal, across the table over a piece of pie and a cup of coffee. Teaching someone, sharing what you know, mentoring them. Jesus tells us all to make disciples of all nations, to baptize and to teach people to obey Jesus. Healthy Christians share the gospel with others, but then they work alongside of those people to see them grow into mature Christians. So healthy Christians are first first healthy uh, disciples themselves. They are being discipled by other healthy Christians, and they are involved in the work of making healthy disciples. Number 11, family. Healthy families are a result of healthy Christians. Healthy families are a result of healthy Christians. I'm talking mostly about immediate families. Mom, dad, children uh, as the norm. When dad and mom and kids are spiritually healthy, the whole family will be healthy. And it is alarming how many unhealthy families are in the Christian community. Now, all families are sick. We are sick, but they're not all chronically ill. And I believe the primary reason why so many families are unhealthy is because dad and mom are spiritually immature in their faith with little discernment to apply God's uh, word regularly to their marriage first and then to their parenting do you agree with that? I mean, how, we got to dig apart the family and say, what's wrong here? And I think it stems directly to faithfulness in the gospel, to create gospel-centered homes. The more spiritually mature the individuals of a family are, the more spiritually healthy the family will be. Healthy families are becoming an anomaly in America because America is spiritually sick. And you don't have to look hard to find it. It's everywhere. Everywhere you go, you're meeting people from broken families. The family is crumbling in America because America is spiritually anemic and immature. The the road to health in America for families begins with repentance and faith. Dad and mom falling on their knees, reorienting all of their family around the gospel, creating an environment of love and encouragement, and forgiveness, and grace, and truth, and patience, and so forth for everyone in that family. This will not happen until we prioritize spiritual health above everything in our families, above work, above play, above everything. The most important thing in our families is the spiritual health of its family members. Nothing more important. This is eternity we're talking about. And it's right now in fruitfulness for the gospel. Until we pour tireless hours into restoring spiritual health, we won't see health. 
Now, if your family is unhealthy, then you have work to do, whether you're a kid or a parent. We all have work to do. Do it like they do it in crashing airplanes, all right? You first secure your mask, and then what do you do? You help other people. You must pay attention to your own spiritual health first, and then you must begin to look outside of yourself to start helping others heal and grow. You work on getting healthy, and then you work tirelessly to helping the people in your family get healthy. Men, God holds you. Listen very carefully, men. God holds you primarily responsible for the spiritual health of your families. Own that. So if your family's messed up, your spiritual leadership is presumably unhealthy, and you need to cowboy up and start working really hard to help your family reach health. Husbands and wives, if your family is unhealthy, it probably means that in some way your marriage is unhealthy. Healthy families are built upon healthy marriages. Healthy families are built by a spiritually healthy dad and mom who are diligent and careful to create a gospel-saturated home with truth and love. If a company is losing money, the workers are absolutely part of the problem, but who do they fire? The CEO. They get another CEO. So if the family is unhealthy, the best place to start is dad. How spiritually healthy are you, fathers? Your family needs you to be healthy. Men, after you tell your wives that you love them, uh, I want you to ask her this question and then listen very carefully to her response. Don't be a coward with this. Man up and initiate this. What I'm about ready to tell you. Wives, if your husband plays the coward and doesn't follow up on what I'm telling you right now, he's going to need a loving reminder. Here's the question. Honey, how spiritually healthy do you think I am? And how can I be a better spiritual leader? And then stop and listen. And own what is being communicated to you. Don't wimp out. You need to do this. Honey, how spiritually healthy do you think I am and how can I be a better spiritual leader? If you're really a man, you'll ask your kids the same question. And listen, don't respond. Just listen. Ponder their response. It will be good for you. And I promise to ask Christina this, so we're going to have a conversation, honey. And kids, I'm going to ask my kids, so it's coming. Get ready. I even wrote a note. I think it was this morning or last night sometime to remind me to do this because I'm promising right now. We need the truth as men and we need God's grace to work in us first. This is for our own good health. Women, after you tell your husband you love him, ask him this question. Honey, how spiritually healthy do you think I am? And how can I better support and encourage you? You ask him that. Then sit down with your kids together as a team and ask them how you can improve as parents. Make sure they know it's a safe place to answer and you're not jumping all over what they're saying. Wait and listen. Listen, learn, and then change. In fact, ask your kids to forgive you for how you failed them. Open that conversation up just to handle you. Don't handle the hurts coming from the kids. Just handle you. Say, I've got some things to confess. Will you forgive me for this? I'm going to start making some changes. My parents actually asked me a variation of this question, and they waited to hear my honest answer. That impressed me. All kids, 0 to 17, listen right now. 
Are you being faithful to God by honoring and respecting your parents? Your mom and dad, do you obey them or rebel against them? And I want to ask, I want you to ask your mom and dad how you can be a better daughter, how you can be a better son. I want you to ask them that. You love your mom and dad, and so take the initiative to ask them and listen to them and commit to making some changes in your life, to better honor Jesus by honoring your mom and dad. No doubt, there's all kinds, some of the things I say can be somewhat controversial because families look different ways and they function and it's never clean and orderly as we would like it. But God's word is true and it produces certain results when you listen and obey it. Never works out perfectly because people are broken. So we need to work together and work hard for family health. Healthy families are fun. So start with you. Healthy Christians make up healthy families. Number 12, accountability. Healthy Christians are accountable to other healthy Christians. They have a few Christians around them that they open up to, that they confess sin to, and that who actively encourage them. They're part of Christian community. It's not healthy to simply come to church and attend and go home, never talk to anybody. What's healthy is to open up your heart and your life to other people. We all need accountability, that that close Christian community. Who have you confessed your sins to recently? Who knows you well enough to know your sins and where you struggle? Who keeps you accountable and asks you the hard questions? And if after a little bit of time you can't think of anybody, then you're not healthy. In fact, you're in real spiritual danger. You're living on an island. James was really clear about the power of accountability, James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it, as it is working. It's healthy to open up your life to other people. And if you're not, maybe that's why you're not experiencing healing and health. Accountability is essential and basic to the Christian life. Didn't Paul say, bear one another's burdens? Shouldn't we be doing that for each other? Who's helping you carry your load? It's not healthy or fun to carry it yourself. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Do you know how to make iron sharp? You heat it up and you pound it. Think about that as it applies to our brothers and sisters. I think we need to turn up the heat a little bit. We need to love enough to have those difficult conversations. What's really going on in your life, man? Because I know we've talked about Barons football, go Barons, two and one. But can we talk about spiritual life? Can we talk about what really matters? Earlier in Proverbs 27, 6, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Friends don't flatter, friends are frank. Real friends tell you what you need to hear, not what you necessarily want to hear. One other trait of a healthy Christian when it comes to accountability is submission to church leadership. It is healthy to honor and submit to the church leaders God gives to you. It is healthy to commit to church membership by placing yourself beneath 
the leadership and oversight of elders. That's biblically healthy, totally defendable by scripture. So many scriptures you can go to. This is thoroughly biblical and healthy. Listen to Hebrews 13, 17. It says this, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. Notice several things about this verse. God wants us to obey and submit to our elders because God has given them the responsibility to watch over our souls, the souls of the congregation, a massive, massive spiritual responsibility. This is why you need to put qualified elders in place here at this church because you, they're watching over the souls of the people in the congregation. Elders, including pastors, will give an account to God for the leadership and oversight that they bring. And Hebrews 13 says to allow the local church leaders to lead with joy, not with groaning, but with joy, with happiness. And then it says something very interesting, for that would be of no advantage to the elders, to you, the congregation. It is to your advantage as the congregation to joyfully respect and submit to your elders here at Jerusalem Church. You should strive to live for Christ and make it a joy for the leaders that are over you, that God placed there. It is to your advantage to make their work a joy, to follow and contribute and get involved, to live for Christ so that they see holiness in you and can be encouraged in their work. You know, spiritual apathy and laziness affects the leaders because they see and they want more. And so, as, as, it, as one of the leaders who is accountable to my other leaders, I want to see you grow and live for Christ and flourish. I want you to be happy in God. It's to your advantage that the leaders do it with joy. So this accountability is healthy for everyone in the church, including the leaders themselves. Healthy Christians have close accountability because they know how important it is for their health and growth. Number 13, giving. Healthy Christians give, give, give. They give their schedule, their skills, and their bills. Healthy people tend to exercise more than healthy people. Isn't that true? Healthy people schedule exercise multiple times in a week. Same thing spiritually. Your current schedule reflects your devotion to God. How much time do you devote weekly to to your spiritual health and your growth? Healthy Christians give God their schedule. They also give God their skills. Each of you has been given skills that the church needs. How are you serving others in the name of Jesus with your skills that God has given you? Are you giving your best work to God? Healthy Christians also give their bills, their money. You cannot be a healthy Christian without tithing. There is biblical precedent to give God at least 10% of your total income. Healthy Christians joyfully give away at least 10% of their income to do what? To fuel God's mission in the world. Giving is essential for the healthy Christian. Do you invest money into the ministry of Jerusalem Church? Healthy Christians tithe. They trust God to provide. They are happy to give. Paul told us God loves a what giver? A cheerful giver. Someone who wants to give. Just let me give. I I want to give my money away. So if you're not giving at least 10% of your income away from the heart to fund gospel ministry, you are not healthy. 
There were Christians in Macedonia in the first century that were described as extremely poor. That's not what we are. They were extremely poor. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians 8, 2 through 5. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Imagine begging the leaders of your church, just give me another way to give. How can I just give more money? Because I'm stinking poor and I don't have money. So show me a way to give more money. Is that not a testimony to God's grace in the Macedonians? That's unbelievable. Love that. God produces that. Whether you're rich or poor, give in a wealth of generosity. Healthy Christians love Jesus so much, they just keep giving. They give. The last trait of a healthy Christian that we'll cover in this series, because there's a lot of traits, and I'm missing a ton. But the last one in this series is number 14, worldview. Worldview. Healthy Christians have a biblical worldview. They see everything through the lens of Scripture. Everything through the lens of Jesus Christ. Del Tackett, the teacher of the Truth Project in our Sunday school, a really good content, he described worldview like this, quote, whether conscious or subconscious, every person has some type of worldview. A personal worldview is a combination of all you believe to be true, and what you believe becomes the driving force behind every emotion, decision, and action. Therefore, it affects your response to every area of life. From philosophy to science, theology and anthropology to economics, law, politics, art, and social order, everything. End of quote. Everyone looks out at the world through a window. What window are you looking out through? Is it Jesus? Are you looking through Jesus to interpret the world? The healthy Christian sees all of life as spiritual. Everything from mowing the lawn to working on the car to shopping to entertainment to vacations to vocations is all sacred and seen through the the eyes and lens of how can I best serve Jesus Christ with everything. There is no secular and sacred for the healthy Christian. It's all sacred. Our church mission affirms this worldview, leading people to find their greatest joy and pleasure in Jesus Christ above all things to the glory and worship of God. Why the phrase above all things? Because we want to value Jesus Christ above all things, because we want to see his supremacy in all things. That's a clear worldview presented in what our church is all about. We want Jesus to be foremost in all things. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. For healthy Christians, there's nothing outside of the jurisdiction of Jesus Christ as Master and Lord. Now, when I study, I use lexicons and commentaries to help me interpret God's Word, interpret the Bible. Is Jesus your lexicon and commentary to help understand this world and this life? Healthy Christians can't help but interpret all that they see and hear and touch and taste and smell through Jesus It's a Jesus mindset. It's a biblical mindset. Does the word of God abide in you so much that you think Bible whenever you think? 
Charles Spurgeon said of John Bunyan, prick him anywhere, his blood is Bibline. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. He cannot speak without quoting a text, for his very soul is full of the word of God. That's a biblical worldview. That's seeing everything through the lens of scripture. God gave you a tremendous gift in the Bible and in his son to help you make, uh, make sense of life and eternity. Cherish his word, listen to his word, learn from him. Um, I'll wrap up here. On Friday, I went to Cornerstone Family Health Associates for a checkup, long overdue, and uh, found myself confessing to the physician's assistant all the things that I need to change to have better health. I need to change my posture. I need to drink more water. I need to exercise more. So I know how to fix some of the minor neck and back pain that I'm experiencing. I know what the answer is. But yet, when am I going to make some changes? When am I going to know the truth enough to change? Do you know what a healthy Christian looks like? A healthy Christian, they're converted in need, passionate about God, serious about truth, ready to fight sin, engaged in personal, corporate, and family worship, unrelenting in prayer, loving, active in good works, active in discipleship, working for the health of their family, accountable to other healthy Christians, generous and giving, and have a thoroughly biblical worldview. And this seems like a daunting list but it's all reasonable. It's all doable for you if you work by the power of God's grace in you. You can enjoy spiritual health and growth. So don't let this sermon pass by. Don't let this whole series pass by without assessing your own spiritual health. We're gonna move in next week into the healthy church, part one of a four-part message to really take a look at is our church actually healthy? What are the marks of a healthy church? So give your heart a comprehensive evaluation and and start working towards better health. God is the divine physician who can heal anything. The gospel produces these 12 traits in you. Let's pray. Father, you are so good to us. Thank you for being um, a faithful God, uh, one to never abandon us or give up on us. God, we look at these 12 things, and there are only 12 There's a lot more imperatives in Scripture that we should be doing, and and God, we're so unfaithful at times, and so just be with us, God. Uh, Grant us strength by your grace. Strengthen Jerusalem, church. Help us to be a church filled with healthy people, and the people who are unhealthy, help us to love them like crazy and keep teaching them and discipling them so that they can eventually experience spiritual health. Just help us to work together, to love one another, And to see these things lived out in our church. In the name of your precious son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.